Thank you so much, Daniel. Thank you, Amy. Leading us beautiful today. Really appreciate it and thankful for the baptisms. We celebrate that, right? And uh, I thought, you know, the whole service led by young adults and letting the old guy have just a little part of it. So I'm grateful for that. Very, very thankful over the years to see God raise up uh, young men from our congregation, uh, calling them, equipping them uh, for ministry. And then one of the great blessings that I've experienced here over the years. And I'm so thankful for uh, Colin Hughes, who's going to be sharing God's Word with us this morning. Uh, tell you a little bit about uh, Colin. Uh, he's our student director. And it's a blessing to think back just uh, not too many years ago when at the age of 16 he came to know Jesus Christ here in our student ministries, became actively involved and just was brought into the, the family. And uh, then God uh, used him in our student ministries while he was going to college at UT. He graduated there in 2017. Uh, He's sort of had uh, dual membership here at our church plant, Emmanuel. But uh, as he came on staff here, we, just had, we were a little weird. Just wanted him to come and be a part here, okay? And he has been such a blessing. He is doing a wonderful job along with Audra Trainee uh, leading in that ministry. And i um, grateful for uh, Colin's faithfulness and just seeing him develop. He has been doing all this in ministry while he's been working on his master's of divinity at Southern Seminary, and Lord willing, in May, he'll be receiving that. So we're very, very uh, grateful for Colin, and I know you'll be blessed as he opens God's word to us. So Colin, you come and share with us what God's given to you. Welcome, brother. I'm glad to have you sharing God's word today, my friend. Thank you, Pastor Sam. Well, good morning, West Park. And good morning to all who are watching online. Well, I think of 10 years ago and being constantly invited by friends in high school from my football team and after months and after just running out of excuses, finally deciding to come to West Park for a Sunday and remembering my first Sunday morning actually being in a gigantic tent out there celebrating the 50th anniversary of West Park. And I figured because this wasn't what church normally looked like, I figured, okay, I might as well come back, you know, next Sunday morning and started coming for a few months after that. And then after that, going to a fall retreat that the student ministry was holding. And I remember a friend warning me that the Saturday night message is usually the message where kids get emotional and kids start crying. And I remember dreading that said Saturday night message. And God had other plans because supposedly it turned out that I was the one that night that became emotional because I ended up seeing my sins for what they were and seeing our gracious God for who he is and coming to Christ as a junior in high school because of people here at West Park. And since then, over these last 10 years, I have continued to see the love of God and the grace of God through the people here at West Park because you guys saw a broken an angry and messed up and sinful kid and you took him in as your own and you loved him and you walked with him through many difficult trials and you taught him how to trust Jesus more with his life every single day. And I'm thankful to be serving here now as a director of students, but I am even more thankful 
to have you all as a church family and as brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. It is a blessing and a privilege to be preaching to you all this morning. Well, enough of me being sappy. Let's get into God's word today. We are going to be in Galatians chapter 5, and we are going to be reading verses 16 through 26 this morning. Well, it's December 26th. It's the day after Christmas, which is apparently the ideal day for the rookie to get up and preach his first sermon. (laughs) And uh, because it's the day after Christmas, life is beginning to go back to normal. The lights and the trees are going to come down soon if they haven't been taken down already. The music is turned off. The gifts have been opened. And Doug Bromley and the men in the choir are putting away their awesome Christmas blazers for the season. It's a sad, sad time of the season. Oh, that's not a shot. That's, I love his blazers. I love it. Students are going back to school next week. And perhaps you all are either going back to work tomorrow or going back to work next week. But either way, life is returning to normal. Where there isn't a holiday or a holiday season to look forward to. And if you're like me, that's kind of sad, thinking about it. I love the Christmas season, and yes, I do enjoy the trivial stuff about it, right? But I love it because it's more importantly a sweet season to reflect on the coming of our Savior. But as we now have come to this side of Christmas, our lives are returning to normal. And some people here may be looking forward to that, but perhaps many of you are not. Life might be easier around Christmas, not just because of having time off of work and having time off of school, but also maybe it felt a bit easier to love God and to reflect on him during this season. That during the Christmas season, it's easier to reflect on the coming of our Savior because it was all that people talked about and it was all that people sang about on the radio. But as life returns to normal, and it is not as easy to dwell on the goodness of God, Life returning to normal is hard for some of us because before the Christmas season and maybe even during the Christmas season and now especially after the Christmas season, perhaps loving God and walking with God has been a struggle for you because you know that you love God and you know that you want to walk with him more, but you feel like your sins are just kind of right in front of your face and your brokenness is right in front of your face and instead of walking in joy and walking in love and walking in encouragement in the Lord. You are instead walking in pain and shame and in discouragement. And so what do you do? What do you do when you're feeling that? What do you do when you're struggling? Well, I pray that for all of us in here this morning that we may find encouragement, that on this side of Christmas, we can celebrate that the King has come And that on this side of the cross in 2021, we can celebrate that he is risen. And we can walk and keep in step with him, not on our abilities, but because of the Holy Spirit he has given us. Let's read our passage this morning that uh, Miss Terry Cage read for us earlier. Galatians 5, verses 16 through 26. It says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, 
rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Well, the message for this morning is this. Christian, keeping in step with God is a lifelong struggle. But take heart, God is helping you in the struggle. Christian, keeping in step with God is a lifelong struggle, but take heart, God is helping you in the struggle. The first point actually comes from the passage before this, the chapter before this, and the first point is this, is that believers in Christ have been given the Holy Spirit of God. If you guys go back just a page to Galatians 4, verses 4 through 6, Paul describes what happens when someone puts their faith in Jesus. And he says, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So Paul teaches that when God sent his son Jesus to die for the sins of the world and to redeem those who were condemned under the law of God, Those who believe in Jesus receive adoption. That when we were far from God because of our sins and because of our rebellion, and we were like lost children, instead of leaving us to be condemned, God took us in and adopted us as one of his own. God sent his son Jesus so that we might be adopted into his kingdom. What a glorious truth that is. That at our very worst, God brought us in and adopted us. And because of this adoption, because of Jesus... God has given us his Holy Spirit to be in our hearts. So before Paul even talks about walking with the Spirit, he reminds the Galatians that if you have trusted in Jesus for salvation and for grace, you have been given the Holy Spirit of God. Before Paul even commands them to walk with God, he reminds them that they are in God. They are in God because of what Jesus has done and because they have faith and trust in what Jesus has done. And as a result, the Holy Spirit of God has been given to them. And the Bible describes the Holy Spirit in multiple ways. He's described as the seal of our salvation, that the Spirit given to us actually shows it's a stamp that we actually belong to God. The Holy Spirit helps us when we are praying to God. He intercedes for us. The Holy Spirit helps us in remembering God's word and being able to apply it to our own lives. And in this passage this morning, we see that the Holy Spirit helps us in walking with God. That we're not on our own to rely on our own abilities, that the Holy Spirit is given to us to guide us in this life. And when it comes to receiving the Holy Spirit, it can be as obvious and as dramatic as a mighty gust of wind such as Pentecost, or it can be as subtle and inward as just loving God more in your heart and wanting to walk with him and wanting to follow him. Whether it is dramatic or subtle, Scripture teaches this, that if you have put your faith and trust 
in Jesus Christ for your salvation and for the forgiveness of sins, you have been given the Holy Spirit of God. Which then leads us to our passage and leads us to our next point. We are commanded to walk by the Spirit of God. That if we have the Holy Spirit of God, we are able to walk with God, and because of that, we are commanded to walk with God. Verse 16, Paul says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And in verse 25, he then says, If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. And so as we see here that as believers in Jesus are given the Holy Spirit, they are not called to live the same life that they once lived. And they're not called to live a life of inactivity. That if we have indeed tasted that the Lord is good and we see the beauty of his love and his grace before us, we are not to live life unchanged as a response to that. And so as we trust that Jesus has died for our sins, we're not called to go back and live in the sins that he died for. That as we trust in Jesus, neither are we called to live a life where no growth takes place and where we don't strive to walk with God. We are not called to grow in godliness simply by asking God for a piggyback ride. We are not called to sit. We are called to walk. Because if the Spirit of God is in us, that means that we now desire the things of God. We want to grow in our love and in our knowledge of him. And because of that, we will want to follow him. And so I want to encourage you all and I want to exhort you all this morning. You are commanded to walk by the Spirit of God because you have been given the Spirit of God. You are called to leave the old life that you once lived and to let go of the old desires that you once had and that you once cling to. And then to embrace the life and the freedom and the joy that God has offered you in his spirit. Paul even says that in verse 24 of this passage. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions. You do not belong to that old life anymore. You belong into this new life, trusting in Jesus and walking in step with his spirit. But let's just be honest here. Walking with God is still hard. Walking with God is still hard. The reality is, is that we, while we are born again, spirit-filled followers of Christ, we are still broken, struggling sinners living in a broken and sinful world. Some people might think that the Christian life is supposed to be some beautiful, smooth path where the sun is always out and life is beautiful and there's nothing that goes wrong in life. But more often than not, it can feel not like walking through a nice, smooth path. It could, be, it could feel like walking through mud, a pit of mud. And it's not that walking with God in itself is miserable, but it can be hard and it can feel miserable when the rest of the world isn't walking with God. And ultimately, it can be hard and it can feel miserable because there's still a part of you that resists walking with God. That's what Paul is saying here in verse 17, that the reality is there's still a part of us, even when we are walking with God, there's still a part of us that doesn't want to walk with God. Verse 17, for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. While we are a new creation in Christ and being made new every single day by the Holy Spirit, the old us is still in us. While we now love God and want to follow him, 
At the same time, we still want to pursue the things that we used to pursue. And so as a result, the spirit of God that is in us, as we see in this passage, is wrestling with our old desires of the flesh. And so if you want to know primarily why it is hard to walk with God every day, this is why. Because the Holy Spirit in you is fighting against the flesh that is also in you. And then as Paul describes the struggle of walking with God, he then lays out what the works of the flesh are. He says, if the spirit and your flesh are struggling inwardly, this is what the desires of your flesh look like outwardly. And so he describes the works of the flesh as we see in verses 19 through 21. And these works can, can be divided into four categories. The first category is sexual sin, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality. The second category is religious sins, such as idolatry and sorcery. The third category is problems that the Galatians are experiencing, such as enmity and strife and jealousy and fits of anger and rivalries and dissensions and envy. And just to give some context in this passage, they have become so divided in this church because of false teaching that's been going around that what it says in Galatians 5 verse 15, they are verbally biting and devouring one another because of this. And then the fourth category is sins of excess, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. And so as we look at this list, perhaps we are prone to be just immediately discouraged by it. Because we see this list, and if we are being honest, as we are striving to walk with God, we still tend to stumble into some of these things. And it can look like different things, but maybe you see these works of the flesh and you just point out a couple and say, I still struggle with that. I still wrestle with that. Maybe lust has been beating you down and it becomes outward into sexually immoral acts. Maybe the struggle is with idolatry. And it's not that you're worshiping a golden calf. It's not that you're offering sacrifices. But the ultimate test when it comes to idolatry is the question of, what is that one thing that if you gave it up, you couldn't live without it? Maybe it's your job or the status of your job. Maybe it's in the possessions that you have. Maybe it's in the hobbies that you have, that if these things were taken away, you don't, wouldn't know what to do with yourself. Or maybe you're just dealing with what the Galatians are dealing with in this letter. Perhaps you just like to start stuff. Perhaps you like to start arguments and conflicts with people. You've been leaving group after group, church after church, workplace after workplace. Why? Because they just don't get me, right? Or there's that one thing that you disagree with. And instead of having healthy disagreements and healthy dialogue, you do what the Galatians are doing, just being nasty with people. Maybe you're more about the division for the sake of getting your way more than about unity for the sake of the gospel. Or maybe you're struggling with addiction and excess. That addiction that you once had separated from by the grace of God has reared its ugly head again. And it's entangling you and you thought that this was over, you thought that that was behind you, and it's come back and you're struggling with it. Whatever struggle you are facing, if you are walking with God, perhaps you are discouraged and perhaps you are feeling beaten down because of it. And then you read verse 21. 
where Paul warns that those who do such things and those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And so you may ask yourself in your worst moments, am I going to make it? Am I really a follower of Christ if I still struggle with these things? Friends, this walk with God and leaving our flesh is hard. It's hard. It's a constant fight. It is a constant struggle. But the truth is, we can take heart because while we are still struggling and while the works of the flesh are still just wrestling in us, the truth is is that God is still working in us. God is still working in us. After Paul discusses the works of the flesh, he then lays out the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. As our flesh continues to struggle within us, God's Spirit continues to work in us, helping us move away from the works of the flesh and helping us grow in godliness. And what we see here is that the first and most important thing that God does in us and works in us is helping us grow in godly love. And that love is the most important godly fruit because it is the one that reflects the character of God the most. And God is working that in us. And then we consider how God is working in us to grow in joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. So the reality is that while we may be wrestling with our flesh, at the same time, God is still working in us. We might be struggling, but God has not given up in working inside of us. And what stands out to me in this passage, notice they're not just actions. Notice they're not just behaviors. They're character traits. It's not that God isn't concerned with your actions. But what he is primarily concerned with is your heart, what you love, what you pursue. Does he command us to honor him with our lives? Yes. But we are more able to honor him with our deeds if they come from the changing of our hearts. There are many people around this country, today and in the past, around this country who go to church and read their Bibles and go to small groups dare I say even preach on Sunday mornings at other churches, who are loveless and joyless. Your works do not honor God if your heart is filled with anger and envy and lust. So what does God want to do in us first? He wants to change our hearts. He desires for us to grow in godly love so that we may love others well. He desires for us to grow in godly joy so that we may share the joy of salvation in Jesus to others. He desires for us to grow in godly peace so that we can truly grasp the the reality that because of Jesus, we have peace with God and so we can live in peace in our own lives. He desires for us to grow in godly patience, which I think all of us literally struggle with, so that we can remember that our life doesn't belong to us, And God's plan and God's timing is truly what is best. He desires for us to grow in godly kindness so that we can reflect the kindness of God to the world around us. He desires for us to grow in godly goodness so that we might live not for our benefit but for the benefit of others. 
He desires for us to grow in godly faithfulness, letting our yeses be yes and our noes be no. He desires for us to grow in godly gentleness because we know and belong to a loving and gentle Savior. And he desires for us to grow in godly self-control so that we might grow in denying our sinful desires and may learn to turn away from the works of the flesh so that we grow closer to him and that we grow in keeping in step with his spirit. God cares about what you do so much so that he is willing to work in your heart first. And we can rest assured whether the process or the progress may be obvious to us or not, God surely is working in us, even in our struggles with the flesh. So then what are we to do in this process? If God is the primary one that's working in us, and if it's not us that is changing ourselves, but it is God that is changing us, what do we do in this process? We keep in step with the Spirit within us. We keep in step with the Spirit within us. We do not white-knuckle our way in growing into these godly characteristics. Paul does not say here, look at the fruit of the Spirit, now go and do these things. And don't come back until you do these things on your own. Verse 25, if we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. To prove to you guys that I do go to seminary and that I did pass both of my Greek classes, keep in step here in Greek is translated stoikeo, which means walk in line behind a leader, meaning You are not called to take the lead in your walk with God. You are called to let him lead, and you follow where he goes. Dare I say, you're not called to let go and let God in your walk with God. You're not called to sit back and say, well, if God wants to do something in me, I'm just going to sit here and wait until he does something. You are called to let him lead and to let him work, and you are called to follow him in that work. So then the question might be just practically, as we keep in step with God's spirit, perhaps the question is, how do I keep in step with the spirit of God? Do I just say left, right, left in Jesus' name and this is just what my life looks like? A couple of application points of how we keep in step with the Holy Spirit. The first thing that we do is, we must repent of our works of the flesh to God and to others. Even with the spirit of God, the reality is you will still stumble in sin. And one of the differences between someone who is in the spirit and someone who isn't is conviction and repentance over that sin. So I don't know what sins you may be struggling with, but I urge you this morning, do not leave those sins in the dark. Don't let those grow. Don't let those fester in the dark. Confess and repent of those sins to God. Acknowledge that it is sin to begin with and confess and repent of those sins to God But then also confess and repent of that to others. That if you are struggling with lust, confess that to God and make that known to him. But also find an accountability partner, a trusting brother or sister in Christ to walk with you through that. If you have offended someone in a fit of anger, or you have engaged in in unhealthy disagreements with people, acknowledge your fault in that, acknowledge your pride in that, confess that and repent of that to God, and then confess and repent of that to that brother and sister that you've offended. And confess that to the offended party and ask for forgiveness because when you bring your sins to God in the light, sin cannot thrive in the light. 
And as you are bringing yourself to God in this light, this is where growth in him takes place. Seeing the works of the flesh for what they are and also seeing his ways for what they are and repenting and confessing those sins. That is how we learn to keep in step with him. The Christian life is not a life of perfection. It is a life of repentance. And we must acknowledge our sins to God and we must also confess of that to others. The second way of keeping in step with the Spirit is growing in the rhythm of listening to God and in the rhythm of pouring out your soul to him. The primary way that we can listen to God is in his word. It's not about reading a book. It's about listening to the very words of God in this book. And as we read and listen to the truth of his word, because we have the Holy Spirit, we are able to receive that word. And we are able to act on that word. And so we, if we are going to keep in step with the Spirit of God, we need to create a rhythm in our lives where we spend time in silence and just listen to the Word of God. And I understand that you guys are looking at me saying, Colin, you are single and you have no kids. If you understood the lack of time that I had in my life, you would understand that I only have like five, ten minutes tops per day. And I want to encourage you in this. Use that five and ten minutes a day to maximize you keeping in step with the Spirit of God. And listening to his word. That can mean five and ten minutes a day for a whole week, staying in the same Bible passage until it gets in you. And receiving that. If we are to keep in step with the spirit of God, we must listen to the word of God. Notice how you wouldn't know what God truly desires in your life if he never gave you his word. We wouldn't know what honors him. We wouldn't know what dishonors him. So we keep in step with him by listening to him and what he says. And not only do we listen to him, we pour out our souls to him. That if we were left to our own abilities, we would not have a heart and we would not have a life that is pleasing to God. And God knows that. And the beautiful truth is in all of that, God wants you to admit that to him. He doesn't want you to fake it until you make it, right? He wants you to know that you are hopeless without him so that you can come to him for hope. It's not about striving to be loving and joyful and peaceful and all of these things on our own. It's admitting that apart from God, apart from Jesus who is the vine, we can do nothing. It's about saying, God, I struggle so much to love on my own. I've either been hurt by many people in my past and I don't know what love looks like, and that's just brought it out. But in reality, whether that happens or not, I struggle to love. God, I need you to meet me here where I am. God, I struggle so much with self-control and choosing your ways over mine. Lord, I, I, I can put so many routines in place. I can try so hard and be as disciplined as I possibly can. But God, I cannot do this without you. I will stumble and I will fall if it is not for your spirit. Lord Jesus, meet me where I am. Keeping in step with his spirit means pouring your soul out to him and acknowledging your brokenness. And we keep in step with his spirit when admitting our need for him. And the beauty is that he meets us where we are. The third thing that we do is we keep in step with other spirit-filled believers. Verse 26, the final verse in this passage teaches us, let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. As I said before, the Galatians were arguing with one another specifically on false teachings. 
And while we at West Park are not arguing over false teachings, and there isn't false teachings going on in this church, it is incredibly important that we, as a church, look out for one another and walk with each other as we walk with God. The Christian life is not a life that is supposed to be lived alone. If we try to live for God on our own, that only gives us opportunities for the flesh to work in us. And if we are to keep in step with God's spirit, we must do life with other spirit-filled believers. And so I encourage all of you in here to find a community group. And that's not for the sake of us being able to put you in CCB in the attendance and so we can just track every single thing that you're doing. That is not the point of you joining a community group. The point of being in a community group is for you living life with other believers, keeping in step with the Spirit while also keeping in step with other Spirit-filled believers. That as we listen to God's Word and as we learn to pour out our souls to Him, as we are listening, let us share to other Spirit-filled believers what we are listening to so that they may share what they are listening to us. Let us pour our souls and even our ugly parts of our souls out to other believers in Christ so that they may share their ugly parts of their souls. Not so that we may hold it against them, but so that we may walk with each other through those things. Even through the ugly parts of our souls. Because I guarantee we all have ugly parts of our souls. I can guarantee you that. But as we share our souls with others, we can press forward in keeping in step with God together as one body of believers. And if you need more personal and spiritual help, I want to invite you to check our church's biblical counseling ministry. We have a wonderful biblical counseling ministry here at this church. We would love to help you and to walk with you through what you are dealing with. We also have a wonderful ministry that walks with people struggling with addictions because you do not have to go through these struggles alone. Not just because God is with you, but because we as a church are here with you. Take advantage of that. Walk and keep in step with other spirit-filled believers. And the final thing that we do is this. We trust that the struggle is evidence of the spirit, and we keep going. Some of us might be power walking right now and growing with God by leaps and bounds. Good for you, right? But if you're like me, just trying to take it one step at a time so that I don't fall on my face, right? I like to call myself a very slow-cooked Christ follower. I don't know if anybody in here relates to that. Or perhaps this is an incredibly difficult season for you, and you're struggling to keep going, and sin is just kind of beating you down, and instead of walking, you're just kind of crawling, just inch by inch. And I hate that we struggle with this sometimes whenever we are in the midst of our deepest struggle. But in that struggle, perhaps a lot of us may be wondering if we are even Christians to begin with. That if we even belong to Christ. But as we see this passage, and as we see all throughout the New Testament, the truth is the struggle is the evidence that you belong to Christ. The struggle is the evidence that you belong to Christ. That if you didn't struggle and you just lived in unrepentant sin, that may be an indication that the Spirit is not in you. That what we see with Paul says, this is a spiritual struggle. 
And it is the ones who struggle that truly have the Spirit. And so I encourage you with this. If you are in a struggle and you are dealing with a lot of stuff right now on your plate and sin is in your face, do not stop because it is a struggle. Keep going. Keep going in the midst of this struggle. In this marathon of walking with God, it is the slow, it is the steady, and it is the faithful that win this race. It is the godly tortoise that wins this race. He is leading you, and he is walking with you. My brothers and sisters, in this walk with God, there isn't some magical formula that will make our walks with God easier. There are no easy steps, but I can promise you this. The more you walk with God, his fruit in your heart begins to grow. The more you walk with God, the closer you will get with God. Regardless of how fast or how slow that might be, you may be crawling. Praise God that you're crawling because you're learning how to trust in him more and to trust less in yourself. And as you grow in the love and the joy and the peace and all the fruit that the Spirit of God gives, the more you will want to walk with him. Keep going. And as you continue to keep in step with the Spirit of God, one step at a time, God promises to meet you where you are because what we see in this passage is he's already in you, working in you. And he promises to work in you to the end of this race because if he did not spare his own son to die for you, will he not graciously give you all things? Keep going. Keep going. My final point in the conclusion is this. Unbeliever, do not ignore the warning in this passage and do not ignore the invitation. In verse 21 here, Paul lists the works of the flesh and then as he lists these works, he says, those who do such things, those who practice such things, will not inherit the kingdom of God. If you are walking according to your own sinful desires, without remorse or without repentance, know that you will be separated from God. And you will experience death for all of eternity. Paul is warning here that whether you proclaim to be a Christian or not, the reality is, is that the works, your works, are indicative of the state of your heart. The works of the flesh are evident. If you proclaim to belong to God, and you've been living against God and not thinking twice about it, Paul is warning the works are obvious of the flesh. And those who practice such things, they will not enter the kingdom of God. But do not ignore the invitation either. That when you were at your worst and that when you were at your most sinful, Jesus came to die for your sins so that you may no longer be condemned under the law, but that you might be forgiven by the grace of God. And he rose from the dead three days later so that we may have life in him. He is waiting for you to come to him. He's inviting you to come to him. And the Bible teaches that if you confess your sins, God is faithful and God is just to forgive you your sins and remove you from all unrighteousness. And as a result, you will be given the Holy Spirit of God, which is the seal of your salvation, 
and not just the seal of your salvation and the life after this one. He is the helper in this life for this one. I urge you, do not ignore the warning, but do not ignore the invitation. Come to Jesus this morning if you haven't. Repent of the works of your flesh so that you may keep walking in Jesus. I encourage the Christians in this room to keep going. And I encourage the unbelievers to start walking, to come to Jesus and to start walking. Because as verse 18 teaches, if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. If your faith is in Jesus, you are no longer condemned in your sins because you are alive and you are forgiven in him. Amen? Amen. Keep going. Keep going. Let me pray for us. Lord, this walk is so hard. It's such a struggle. And Lord, we need you every second of the day. We do not need to try and do our best in this life. We do not need to try and honor you with just our own abilities. We need to come to you and we need to keep in step with you every hour of the day. Lord, I pray for everyone in this room. Will you lift them up and speak truth to them in saying that as they are struggling, you are still working. Will you help them keep in step with you, God? Not just because you are leading us, but because you are also walking with us side by side. Lord, I pray for all of us in here. Help us keep going. And I pray for anyone in here who has not put their true faith in Jesus Christ. I pray for them to come to you this morning, Lord, and then to start walking with you. I pray all these things, and we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.